Welcome to Kashrus on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashrus Magazine. On tonight's show, we're going to have a number of interesting discussions, and uh, you can call in whenever you'd like to start calling in. Tonight, I want to hear a little more from our listeners, things that are important to you, Kashrus-wise, uh, whether you have a a suggestion for something, or a question, or a reaction, anything you'd like, share with us tonight about your area of kashras, how it affects you. So our studio number is 718-683-5858. Again, 718-683-5858. You can call in at any time. In in between, we'll be discussing a number of interesting issues that affect all of our listeners. Again, the number is 718-683-5858. And if you'd like to text, it's 347-927-8398. The text to 347-927-8398. And before we take any of our callers, I'd like to be able to see people calling in already. I'd like to start with a, a few points that tie into previous shows, which we did. Number one. We, had a, we mentioned the halachas of brachos, and we mentioned specific brachos on cereals. And someone came over to me, and he said that his son said to him that he heard me say that Cheerios are shahakol. Now, that's only a partial truth. And when we were discussing the brachos on Cheerios, which was from the list of the star K, had a, a brachos uh, list for cereals, it mentioned that certain Cheerios which obviously don't have that much flour in it. Some of them, because they have a lot of other additives, the bracha is really shahako. But most of the Cheerios varieties, the many varieties, and the plain ones for sure, they're not the ones that are not doctored up with other things thrown in. So their bracha is baremine mezonos, and bracha achrona of alamichya. And what we did in that show is we gave a list of those that are in this category, and the Mazonas category, and those are in the Shahako category. Unfortunately, some people didn't hear the entire show, or they got confused. They heard a part of it, it went to the head, and they didn't follow it up. And another person contacted me recently and uh, said that, uh, that, that, that uh, a similar type of a story where they heard part of the thing. This one asked me about lettuce. We talked about lettuce and uh, the need for checking, and uh, especially right now, things have changed. We read an article from the Star K on that. And and somebody contacted me and said, I didn't hear your whole show. I heard a little piece of it, but then I had to do something. I was in the car, and I go here and go there. And what happened was I I couldn't catch it. And so uh, I went out and bought a lot of lettuce, and now I want to check it. So I told the lady, I asked the lady, did you ever check lettuce? She says, yeah, I've checked lettuce. You ever che- she says, I've checked romaine lettuce. I never checked iceberg lettuce. Or she did check iceberg lettuce. Yeah, she did check it other times. I said, did you ever find anything? Never found any bugs in it. So I said, well, then maybe you don't know how to check. You have to train. So we discussed how to get training, and I always mention the same thing again. You go to one of these mashkichim in these, uh, these stores in our neighborhood that's under a that's been trained by either by David Goldstein or somebody else of a quality nature, and let that person help you with how to check for insects and let them show you what a bug looks like and let you see if you can find those yourself. But to just go ahead and say, I looked, I checked, I saw nothing, every time you look you see nothing, it's a big question on the quality of the checking, and I told her probably better off buying a good ashkacha on a, on, a, on a lettuce as opposed to uh, going to try to do it herself unless she trains, and I told her how to do that. So we hear again people hearing part of what we said. And another thing which is very important is that I'm only a person, and I have certain shitas, even though I'm supposedly objective. I also have a certain uh, brain waves, and it, 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 it tells me to do, do things this way or do things that way and I have training for my rebellion, and you come from wherever you come from, have a different background, different understanding, different ideas, different levels of, of commitment, different chumras, not different coolers. It's not so simple to go ahead and just say, oh, I heard Rabbi Wickler say. Instead, these are things that I always say, and I'll say it again, when you hear something that sounds strange, 
ask your Rav or find the Kashvis agency or somebody to check it out with. Don't just start doing everything you think you heard and or stop or not doing something because you think you heard it was not good. Really, the burden is on you to decide what to do. How can you do it? You can't do it yourself. You need a Rav or some Kashvis agency that you rely upon. But on your own, you're not going to be able to figure out all of the things that we're discussing. But if you never hear it, then you have a different problem. And this is another call uh, we got. Actually, this was an email we got on, on in this week. It's amazing how all these things happen together. Somebody contacted me and he said, uh, orange juice, he heard there's a problem. Cashews, he heard there's a problem. Raisins, he heard there's a problem. And he wants to know what the f- facts are. And he wants to uh, find out how to learn about these things. And he wants to know to be he wants to be instantly informed when these when a problem occurs. So I sent him back, get to Rabbi Vaya's book, read our magazine, listen to the show, you know, but the instantly informed, I said we have a we have a bug site, we call it a bug free kosher. That's our website. It talks about these different things, but to be informed the the second something comes up is a little difficult. And I also told him and they should understand it, that the Orange juice is a current Shiloh, but with other fine scenes make them. Uh, the raisins is about 10 years old, and again, it splits the community. Uh, cashews uh, have been an issue, and no one disputes the problem of the cashews, and that goes back decades and decades and decades, or maybe forever. So they're not synonymous. They're not in the same league, these three things. And then, uh, so we people have to be a little bit uh, training themselves by listening to the right things, reading the right things. We have a monthly newsletter. We have a magazine that comes out five times a year. We have this radio show, Rabbi Vaya's book, Bedika Samozon, which is available in English. We ha- It's also about America as well as about Israel, different sections. And there are plenty of opportunities you have in the mybugfreekosher.com. You can go there and check what, we, what we're putting up. Uh, together, you have a pretty good composite of what's happening in the industry at any given time. So that gives you a little of the background, and we're going to take up some more questions and interesting topics in a few minutes. But first, let's hear from one of our listeners. Go ahead, please. Hello, you're on the Hello. air. You're on the air. Thank you. Um, I have a question out in regard to bugs. It's a little bit off the subject. Is that okay? Go ahead. Okay, so I teach in a yeshiva that requires any... Treats given out have a Hamish Aksha. Now, a lot of products that I buy, that I could buy, have both the OU and an additional Hamish Aksha. However, I could buy the same product somewhere else for a cheaper price that doesn't have that Hamish sticker on it. What is the difference? How do they, what, what are they doing in order to get the Hamish Aksha added? That's, a, that's sort of like uh, teach me Kola Torah Kula while I stand on one foot. So I, I can't really answer that, because Hamish and whatever that means, come in different varieties. There's a, there are people who have yeshiva, I don't know what yeshiva you're referring to, I don't want to know, but uh, there are some yeshivas where they say, Yiddish they won't allow packages into the school that don't have Yiddish Oisius, which means some kind of Hebrew symbol, you know, with the name written in Hebrew, as opposed to just uh, a symbol in English, or just a symbol, but they want to have some Yiddish Oisius. So because of that, the OK Laboratories and some other, uh, other agencies, what they did is they started writing the names of the people who give the Ashkocha in Hebrew. So that it says OK, and then in Hebrew it says, Tachas Ashkochas Danyoya Levi, who owns the OK. So nothing absolutely changed between the Yiddish Oisius and the non-Yiddish Oisius, because obviously it's the same person. But in some yeshivas, now it's acceptable because they don't know how to deal with this policy. They don't have a clear policy. Now, in other situations, there are, you're talking about, let's say, a Hamish Hashkocha added on to a national Hashkocha. It's not the same people. Right. That's right. more of what I'm asking. Right. right. So let's so let, so so it. Yeah. So let, let me tell you a little bit about this. It's as different as the, uh, as the, the people on the planet. Because each one of these hashkachos, we call Hamish, could be 
uh, some extraordinary organization or individual who spends countless hours and does tremendous work, and it could be somebody that's rubber-stamping the national hashkocha. So that's something that you, unless you're a little bit into the field, wouldn't get it. You wouldn't be able to figure it out for yourself. That's something you could learn from people who are in the Kasha's field as to who are the real players in the Hamish world. There aren't so many Hamish Ashkochas where they are really doing a, uh, a dramatic difference. Now, what is that difference? So the difference is as follows. That, let's take, for example, um, I'm thinking of one company. I'm not going to mention it to you. And that company uh, takes products that have national Ashkocha and some of them have, the, in addition, the Hamish Ashkocha. So the Hamish Ashkocha must decide whether this product will come in with their Ashkocha or will only come in with the national Ashkocha. So if they decide that they want to certify it, then they will put on that Hamish Ashkocha. The company sells both. So they like, they like to get with the Hamish Ashkocha because the Hamish people want to buy that. But the, they'll sell the other for the people who don't want Hamish Ashkocha. So here you have an absolute control by the Hamish Ashkocha. This one will accept, and this one we won't accept. And they go and it's through an identical every, product? It's, no. In other words, the, the national Ashkocha said anything with our Ashkocha or with these Ashkochas will accept. So the, the, the owner of this company, who doesn't make anything, he's just a distributor, he has his name on everything, but he doesn't do anything. He just buys the packaging and, and has to put the packaging on the, the package. So there was a package in his packaging, but that's all he owns is the packaging. So he, gives, he, he, tell, he has this uh, rabbi check out the product and say, will you get certified or you won't? If he says he'll certify it, it gets two Ashkachos, the National and the Hamisha. If he won't certify it, it comes out with just the national. And this company is selling both kinds of products. And the Hamish Ashkocha has total veto power. So obviously that man who's doing the Ashkocha there and that the Hamish Ashkocha is doing something. What he does, everybody does differently. And that particular person sends somebody down to the plant, checks out the entire thing, decides what he wants to do, even if it's a foreign country. And even if it takes two years until it can get approved, he won't allow his name on it unless serious work has been done. In some cases, less than that is done. In some cases, they may say this particular product produced by the National Ashkocha is perfect. There's nothing I do to change it. But since you want my Ashkocha, so you're going to put my, you can put my sticker on it. So they, and maybe I'll inspect once a year. Maybe I won't inspect again. That's their decision. I, I, you can't say there's a way to figure it out because each person who gives Ashkocha has to decide what his parameters are. And they're very, 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 very different. No two Ashkochas are exactly the same. I have 1,324 Ashkochas listed in my magazine in the Kosher, Travel, Kosher Supervision Guide, and I could tell you every single one of them is completely different. Even though they converge on a lot of issues, they have completely different sets of r- rules. Uh, I'll give you a simple example. The uh, ACO organization sat down to try to make what they go, a list of Group 1. Group 1 means things that don't need Ashkocha. Uh, you know, let's say water, uh, you know, salt, some things that don't need Ashkocha whatsoever. So they sat down to try to make up such a list. And every cashless agency that was part of that group had a different list of group one that they accept without Ashkocha. This one, they will accept this, and that one won't accept that, but they'll accept this. Everyone had a different set of group one. There was no one that had the same group as the other. And they sat down. And they all get it out. And in the end, they made some kind of a um, a composite, which all of them will abide by. But if they want to, I'll be more strict. In other words, I'll I'll, I'll allow allow these things as group one. And I won't allow this as group one anymore because I don't want you to be upset with my Ashkacha. But I will be more machmir or more maker. I still have a little leeway in the group one. That's just one small example of the differences between the different Ashkachas. So thank you very much for the call. Thank you. Take care. Okay. Uh, we don't have anybody else? Okay. If you want, you can call in now. 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. Or you can call us at 347-927. Text us at 347-927-8398. 
The number here in the studio, 718-683-5858. Now, uh, we, uh, one of the things that I got asked this week was about their various kashrus agencies. This gentleman just asked a little bit about what is a Hamish, a, what is this, what is that? So I, I'm going to, we'll take the next caller and then I'll get back to this. Go ahead. You're on the air. You're on Kashrus on the air. with. Rabbi yes, Hitler. hello. Thank Go you. Ahead, uh, I'd like to know brown rice, if it has to be checked and how it has to be checked. Okay. The, all the rices are, are basically the same. Mm-hmm. Pe- people do check. I don't know if they ever see anything. The main thing you're really looking for are live insects, which doesn't uh-huh. take much effort because all you got to do is put it on a white uh, paper right. plate, and you'll see in a second everything's crawling. Um, we had this problem. And looking at each piece is not necessary. It isn't necessary because then the insects that are in uh, be- beans, for, for example, there are b- beans have a lot of insects inside them. Certain beans are terrible about that. Mm-hmm. Though, there, there you're going to find the bug inside. You're not going to find it inside the rice as far as I know. I've never seen it. So what it. if the rice just looks like it has some black things on it? Is that normal? That's probably normal. Uh-huh. Maybe it's not a poor quality one. Maybe it didn't develop right or something. I can't mm-hmm. tell you. But Do you know if, if Rabbi Weiss, um book deals with that? I don't remember offhand, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think that we have a problem other than live, bugs. Or uh-huh. live bugs or... Maybe there could be some dead bugs in the thing, but he would uh-huh. see it. Basically, to put it on something white and check. Right, and if you want to be machmir, so the easiest thing would be to to scrape off the uh, the grains of rice and then leave that little the little white stuff or whatever it is, and not don't throw that in because that may more likely have something in it. So if you want to be machmir, take just the rice grains and not the the little bit of leavings that are in the bottom of the mm-hmm. uh, the bag. But basically, uh, mm-hmm. basically, all those kinds of grains, whether it's a barley or it's a rice mm-hmm. or a noodle, it's something all live of those, that we're looking you're going to find live bugs in <clears throat> there or nothing. I see. Okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Next caller. Go ahead. You're on Cautious on the Air. Can we help you? You're Hello? On, yeah, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Yeah, I'd like to ask you a question. Is there anything wrong by buying salmon from stores such as, for example, the Costco, where there's a whole strip of salmon? Okay, salmon is a very interesting question, and we'll, we'll take it up now. Salmon is unique because the halacha says you have to have, see, you have to see the simonim. So you're supposed to see scales, because if you see scales, you know there were fins, because whatever, whatever fish have scales had fins. Not every fish with fins has scales, but, but every fish with scales had fins. That's a klal chazal hap. So So you really want to see a little piece with scales on it, or even if there's no scales left, you could see the indentations where the scales were. You recognize the fish because of that, that little piece. So they usually leave about an inch and a half or so a square on, on, on the piece of meat, of the piece of fish. But can you be makel on the salmon and not see anything there? So the answer is yes and no. This is a machloikis people have today because it, even though the only fish that's red that we know of is the salmon, and therefore there's no way of uh, fooling anybody. However, of late, what happened is they started feeding some of these fish uh, a certain uh, f- food or whatever it is to give it a certain color. Anyway, in the, in the, based upon the food, you can produce the red color. Will it look perfectly like a salmon? Yes, but not... Um, but usually not as rich as the salmon's red. The, this, uh, very often the salmon itself is given this uh, food to make it more red. So yes, today you could fake it out. It could fool somebody. Uh, and, and therefore there is a concern that some people have with the salmon and some people don't have that concern. So that's a, that's a split in all different organizations. You can ask your rub what he feels about it because it's not clear cut today. That said, there's a different problem entirely, and that is the handling of these fish. Because if you put uh, the, the juices that come out of fish is awesome the Rabbanan. Fats that come out are awesome in Atayra. You very often have a situation with salt water, which is like malicha, where it sometimes sits together with a non-kosher fish. You, you also 
uh, use a knife, and if that knife might be dirty with sear or shuman on it from dogim tameim from non-kosher fish, and that's being and your fish was being processed. We don't know that the fish was had a specifically a unique knife that just used for that salmon. So that creates a, a, a additional question. If you want to be machmir on that, then you're going to end up cleaning the fish by, with a lot of work that I don't think you want to do. I mean, you so, can take off clay cleaver. Okay, that's a, you know what that is on a fish? Then you're basically ruining your supper. It's a, the, the fish is, an inch, is less than an inch thin, and you're going to try to take a clipper, which, is a, which, is, which would be, uh, you would destroy the whole thing. It, you're talking about grater. You're going to scrape it. So, okay, scrape it with a, with a, with a, uh, with a sharp knife. After wash it off first and scrape with a, with a sharp knife. That's a big avoid that the average person can't do, doesn't want to do can't do properly, will mess up the, the supper. So that's not such a, 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 a thing. There will be people who will say that the, when they do the salmon, they do hundreds of them, and therefore we don't have to worry about the knife being clean. By the, by the time it's being produced, so many salmon, it's probably the knife is clean. I can't guarantee that. I'm just saying that if you go, it's better to buy with, a, with some simon left, with the simonim left on the fish. Um, in today's world, a lot of the fish companies, that uh, even the Hamisha company, they're importing from from China and from and from the, those areas, and a lot of times that the fish are not so expensive. Uh, it's not necessarily such a big savings. Costco might have a better quality. I don't know. Again, this is your decision. The the red part is a machlekes, and different people hold differently. And then there's the question of cleaning it. Thank you for the call. Okay, we have another caller. Go ahead. You're on Kashrus on the air. Can we help you? Hello? Yes, you're on the radio. Go ahead. Um, I have two questions for you, uh, if you don't mind. Um, one is, why is it that Pop-Tarts are not kosher? Why don't they have a hefshah? I was always curious about this, and I figured you're probably the guy to ask. It well, seems like everything nowadays has a hefshah on it, unless it has, obviously, something uh, non-kosher or trafe in it. And I was just curious, is there's like politics or, or like what's the reason that it hasn't had a hatch yet? Is it Pop-Tarts Kellogg's? Yes. Okay. Well, I believe some of them may have a K on it. I'm not sure. But, but in any event, those Pop-Tarts, if they have a K, they're not from the same company, the same Hashkocha that gives a certification to the cereals. It's obviously made in a different plant. It's not the new with the cereals whatsoever. I don't know the ingredients. I'd have to know the ingredients. But you have to know something about ingredients. Ingredients work this way. Um, there's the ingredient and there's the sourcing of it. So let's say, for example, you tell me uh, I have glycerin or I have gelatin. Well, I could have kosher gelatin today. I could have uh, kosher glycerin. I could have glycerin that's not even from uh, from anything uh, the tray for whatsoever. Uh, I, there's different sourcing, so a lot of times the company doesn't want to change their sources. Forget their ingredients. They don't want to change their sources because they're saving money or they like the quality. And sometimes they don't want to change ingredients, and and that's why uh, you know you'll see that some some uh, some things are still holding out without hashgacha. Okay. I got it. What's your second question? Your second one you said. Yes, yes. Um, I was wondering what you thought about supermarkets that sell cut-up fruits. So obviously I understand that there's uh, the obvious problem that you don't know where the knives are coming from, and let's say they used it with something that was hot, and then you have something which is a hard or a hardest, and then you can have an issue. But let's say you have a fruit, which is not a citrus-based fruit, so you, you don't have to worry about the issue of a double harif. So, uh, like, like, halakhically, like, how is it so bad? I understand we have this big issue, but, like, looking at it from, like, a halakhic perspective, how, how do you go and answer off such a okay, thing? Okay, so let, let, let's take it, let, let's change it slightly. There's the, the, the people who are always worried, they, they see the, uh, the, the watermelon is cut. And they, they're worried about whether they can eat the watermelon because they, they cut it in this store, the, the fruit store, and they're not Jewish-owned. So you're afraid that the, the, a person could be, uh, I don't want to give it nationalities, but we don't get into politics here, but there's certain people, certain nationalities that may be working there, and there are people who might uh, be cutting up their ham sandwiches for lunch with the same knife or something. That's, that's the right. kind of concern right. that people ask. It's so unlikely that anything like that would be done. 
if you see a large marketplace where they're cutting up, uh, let's say they have, uh, you know, 10 pieces of watermelon out there. So they're constantly using the knife to cut the watermelon. You don't have to make assumptions that they're using it for, for cutting a piece of meat, of meat which which you could easily buy today already pre-cut into slices. It doesn't make any sense. And, 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 and then my point on top of that is even if you say that, that it did happen, how did the knife even become traced? Because oh, it had to so have that's been a, hot that, that's or the the right, so Then you're that's, going like with these like big, big like uh, assumptions. Right. That's, that's, that, so therefore... This is a certain halach in Shochanach. It's called melimonas. The, the question was that they imported lemon juice, and uh, they got it from overseas, I suppose, and they weren't sure if they had used it for trife, the knives that were trife, because the stam knives of the goyim are trife, and uh, here you're doing a davar harif, because the lemon, lemons are harif on a certain level, and therefore there was a concern, maybe the knives are going to make all the lemon juice trife. And the basic answer is that no, because the volume is such that it, it, it's just not going to happen, because there's too much volume being cut in the thousands, and here it's only a little knife, so how much could it possibly have given off into the uh, in, into lemon juice and their makel on that those le, that lemon uh, lemonis? So that, that's where sort of a certain uh, beginning of this discussion. But uh, I would say the, uh, the, the, that the, the fr- cut-up fruit in the supermarket, I mean, I would say in the, in the uh, vegetable market, I wouldn't worry about. But the problem comes up with what you're talking about when they're making these things in the back for baskets of fruit. Now, they do have a knife that is used for non-kosher. They do use non-kosher. You have to go and see. You don't believe me. Go and look in one of these places and see the stuff they're putting out for the non-Jewish people. They are using it for a double harp, etc. So you're right. If they're going to cut your thing, which is not harif, let's say they're cutting a melon, uh, you know, watermelon and a honeydew and, a, and it's like that. It's obviously not going to take anything out of the knife. Would they keep the knife dirty? Probably not, wouldn't leave a dirty knife lying around. They maybe be able to be inspected by, the, uh, by somebody. So they're probably cleaning it to a certain extent and putting it away. And uh, they, maybe they did cut cheese, but you shouldn't have to assume it's going to come out in yours. So, yes, if, it would have, if you would have no fruit that was sharp, I would agree with you. If you would have sharp fruit, I wouldn't feel comfortable buying it from, a, from one of those stores. And I know that I, I went to um, one of the uh, Hashkachas certifies the, um, certif- certifies the, uh, the, the fruit section in a supermarket, one of the big supermarkets. And they're not there, of course, on Shabbos. There's no mashgiach there on Shabbos. And I pointed out to them, I saw in, their sto- in, this, in the room that they were using non-kosher knives as well. And they, had, they said, oh, that's in this drawer. They left it there. They don't, they don't take it out. So, but there's no control on Shabbos. So what happened was people were buying motzei Shabbos, things that were made on Shabbos, thinking that it was having the hashkocha from this national hashkocha, and, uh, and obviously no one was watching it. So they, the hashkocha told me that from now on they're going to control that. Yes, there is a level of concern we have in when we're giving hashkocha. For you, as a person, I would say if there's no davar harif, then there shouldn't be any concern. Okay? Okay. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you very much. Thank you for, for listening. Okay, we, if you'd like to reach us, our telephone number here in the studio, 718-683-5858. Again, 718-683-5858. And if you want to text us, I see we have a few texts we're going to be taking in a minute. We have a texting is 347 927 8398. And until we get back to our listeners, I'm going to take a moment to tell you about our sponsor, which is Glotmart, conveniently located at 1205 Avenue M. And when you think of Glotmart, think of price, service, convenience, and quality. Whether you shop for a few items or for a full wagon load, you can save plenty of money by shopping at Glotmart. And at Glotmart, you can save time by using their valet parking service. Just pull into Glotmart from the East 12th Street entrance. They'll park the car for you and have it ready to load up with all those special items you purchased in the store. And at Glotmart, the quality of meats is A1. With kosher certification from both the Star K and the Vatakashas of Flappush, with base Yosef meats and with expert Nikor, 
at Glotmart, you're getting quality kashras. And if you walk into Glotmart right now or tomorrow, you can buy Marvin chickens, whole or a quarter to eighths, two forty nine a pound. Long bone lamb chops, nine ninety nine a pound. Side steak, eight ninety nine a pound. Whole galan chicken slices, all varieties, two seventy nine. Cortland apples, fifty nine cents a pound. Norman eighty calorie light yogurt, six ounce, seventy nine cents. And those are just a sample of the items that are sale on sale right now at Glotmart. Glotmart is at twelve oh five Avenue M. Meeting your shopping needs is their top priority. If you meet Dove in Glotmart, tell him you heard about Glotmart on Kashmir's on the Air over J Root Radio. I see we have a few callers, and we'll take the, the next caller. Go ahead, please. You're on Kashmir's on the Air with Robbie Wickler. Go ahead, please. Hello? Yeah, you're on the air. Yeah, I wanted to ask you a question. Um, I don't want to say names of the restaurant and bar apart, not to mention any names on the air. There, I heard there's a question about their shkofa. I heard from the mashgiach that worked there that he told something not kosher. And it's obviously it's not a Heimish place, but it's in the heart of Bar Park. Is, do I have any obligation to do anything about it or to look into it uh, regarding that? Well, this or, is a good question. Just to let it go, like I'm, I'm not, I shouldn't get involved in that. Now, my, I know my opinion on all these things is that we should be getting involved. I'll just tell you, quick, I said, my opinion is that we should be getting involved in everything that we come aware of. And there's a reason why Hashem made us aware of it. I want to share with you a story that I heard today, and then I'm going to answer your question. One of my Talmidim called me up today. I said he went to a, a program that was a, a training program, I think, or whatever it was. And uh, he heard that they were having Hashkacha. He asked me about the Hashkacha. I told him what I knew. And he spoke to the person in charge of the Ashkocha, and he went to the program, and he planned to eat. I didn't tell him to eat or not eat. I just gave him information. He cut back to me today and said, you know what happened? I went there. This was a drop-off party because it's not a from setting. So he went, it was a drop-off party where they take the food, they leave it there, non-Jews working, not from people working, nobody in charge of Kashrus in that place, and he he has and and he it, the fact that the drop off party means it came in certified, so he he goes over and says can I see he came very early and he goes over and he says can I see the packages and sure enough they had them all laid out and they were all covered with a plastic and I said he said where is the second plastic and now like a double wrapping where's the seal where's the letter of certification where is anything here so they said this is the way it came nothing on it just just closed up so he asked around and and he couldn't get he couldn't get the square one over there later on they served cheese and wine and then he saw a letter looked like a xerox or something like that a letter saying that it everything here is certified by this rabbi but nothing attached to the cheese the cheese not closed up with any symbols or whatever it is and this is what it was he this is what he found then he called me and said, he saw, I, I said to him, did you call? He said, he said, I did be more than that. And what I did was I told the store, the, the, not the store, the uh, program, I said, I want you to know I didn't eat. And, I, and, she, and the lady there said, yes, there were about six people who wouldn't eat. There must, you know, because obviously there's some from ladies there, some from men there, and they didn't eat because there was no proper coverage that this is a kosher products. And then he mm-hmm. said to him, and, you know, and we were having a problem, so I called up the caterer, and he faxed over to me his letter, the letters that says he's certified. So the letter is given over, but a fax, not connected at all to the food. That's what happened. And he said, he went, I said to him, did you call the rabbi? He says, I called the rabbi, and the rabbi is going to try to take care of it. And I said, don't stop there. Call the caterer himself and tell him he's losing business because he's not properly sealing the products, and people don't know for sure that it's his product. So yes, we got to go that far. So wherever you want, you want to follow it further, you can give me information, you can call the Hashkocha on that, you can call the owner, you can do whatever you want to do. But definitely, don't sit on information until two years later, you know, I once had a problem over there. No, utilize it. There's a reason why HaKadosh Baruch Hu put it in your hands to give you the information. Mm-hmm. 
can I uh, contact you uh, after seven the show or something yeah, to tell you more se- details? Yeah, yeah seven one eight. Mm-hmm. Okay, one three, second. Let me write it down. Just a second. Seven one eight three three six. Seven one eight three three six. Sorry, what seven one eight? Yeah, seven one eight three three six. Three three six. Eight five four four. Eight five four four. Thank three, you for three, listening. Thank eight, you very much. Go ahead. Help. Okay, Thank another you. caller. Go ahead. You're you're on cash with somebody else. Hello? Yes, you're on the air. Yes, the Splenda, sugar, salt, all these items that we find a lot of times in the like, stores, does it need a hechsher? It has a hechsher. Splenda has a hechsher. Splenda does has OU. Splenda need a hechsher? Splenda has OU. Ah. Uh-huh. And all those sugar, those little salt packets. The little salt and the does... little sugar, they really don't need Ashkocha. Uh, they people Coffee. use it. Pe- they don't really need hashkocha. Salt and pepper, uh, salt and and and, uh, and sugar don't really need hashkocha. And what about coffee? Coffee is an interesting question. Uh, in general, I would say it doesn't need hashkocha, but I do know that there are some situations where there was compromise. Not in this country. If it's a domestic one, if it's from America, I wouldn't worry about it. You're talking about. Uh, you talk about the, the, gra- the uh, what kind of coffee you're talking about? You're talking about uh, the the freeze freeze dried coffee. Yeah. Okay. So if it's American, I wouldn't worry. If it's a foreign country, it's probably okay, and a lot of people do use it. There are a, co- a few occasions where we've seen that they they were doing it on non kosher equipment. I don't know if that equipment uh, it would be bottle bashishim or not. I can't tell you. I I would just say that it's a it's a chumrah. If you want to get it for the foreign stuff with the hashkocha, but uh, if you don't, uh, it could be soymich on the rope, definitely. Okay? I want about when something you buy, like the ready coffee, Starbucks. Uh, it's a whole different ball game. You go to the CRC website. That's Chicago Rabbinical Council. It's crcweb.org. Again, crcweb.org. Type in there somewhere. They're all right about it. What? The write-up there I, is very, very well done. Okay? Take good uh-huh. care. Thank you very much for calling. Okay, thank you. Okay. So if you want to reach us, you can. The number here is 718-683-5858. I'd like to read a few of the questions that came in. He said, somebody said that the Costco salmon that the fellow was calling about has an OU. <laughs> I don't know what their, their, their concern was there. Uh, something like that, that's, that's fine. Yeah. Um, people are asking about flour being sifted. Well, I'll tell you what, what, what really is going on with the flour. What's really going on with the flour is, is that if you store the flour, when you buy it from the store, in a cold area, whether it's refrigerator or the freezer, you won't have any problems. If you want to sift it, that's a chumrah. Some people do sift it. It's a chumrah. But if you are talking about the flour in a bakery, you're foolish. If the bakery doesn't, the doesn't, bakery doesn't sift it, you really should go to another bakery. There are plenty of bugs in the flour in the bakery. I've seen them. I know about it. It's impossible that they're storing these 100-pound bags with seams on them in an area that's cold and and moist towards the bottom of the floor. It's impossible that these are not getting insects into them. I've seen the insects in the machinery, both here and in Israel. I've seen the the insects in the machinery that when they they trap it, uh, that's because of a sifting. If you don't have a sifting situation, it's a, it's not going to be the same quality. Whether it's trafe, you can't eat it. I didn't say that, but if you really want, if you really want to be careful, you should make sure that the bakeries do sifting. Okay, that's the answer to that one. Um, somebody asked about the floss. There's a flavored kids floss. You could use that. Uh, and then let's see what else we have here. The coffee beans need a heksher. As far as I know, the regular coffee beans do not need a heksher. 
uh, but but they, um, there may be some specialty beans or flavored beans or something different. They asked somebody about cutting up the, the non-just work, they're cutting the fruit and the vegetables and packaging, and, and they're not wearing gloves. They're a kashrus issue, and our position is no. There isn't a kashrus issue. Uh, you're asking me, well, maybe they just ate a sandwich, maybe this, maybe that. Of course, that's the responsibility of the store. Nobody in the, he's talking about in the, uh, um, in the Jewish stores, that the responsibility of the, of the store owners to make sure that people are doing something in a way that's clean and safe. Uh, air food plane, airplane food needs a hechsher. Of course, it needs a hechsher. I <laughs> how could it be kosher if it doesn't, if it doesn't have a hechshkocha? We gonna, ha- we have more quality. Okay, we have more quality. okay. Uh, before the yeah. you know, I know that uh, we all have the the incident of uh, go to a restaurant and see the restaurant. There's sometimes wrong with it, and the question, the real question, what I found, what is the hechsher is doing with do- with the, the complaint? Uh, you understand my question? No. No. Oh, let's say, let's say I, I, see, I saw something wrong in, in a restaurant. I called the, the, the Kashrut agency. Yeah. What is really, what is really, are they really doing to take care about it? Okay. In That's my opinion, a, again, yeah. okay, okay. In my opinion, it I depends who it is, of course. Yes. Uh, what I like to do is to call back or, and, and say, were you able to take care of it? Because this way you have a double value. If they took care of it, they'll tell you, and I'm sure they're not lying. And secondly, uh, if they didn't take care of it, you're giving them a second chance to take care of it. I always like to follow up on all these things that we do. We try to make sure that it actually was done. In a, if, the, if the person is abrasive and says, you know, oh, okay, I'll take care of it, and they don't want you to call back, so maybe it's very difficult because you're going to feel bad and you know, don't be, be put a, treated in a certain way. But if the person is open, oh, thank you for letting me know. So then uh, you can call back, and and it would be appropriate, and it, it 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 makes a very big difference. And people are human; they could forget. Are they always trying to take care of it? The answer is yes and no. If it's something that they don't really think is important, they're not going to bother with it, even though you think it's important. They might say to you, "Yes, yes, yes," but they don't, may not think it's important. If it's uh, something like this, which we mentioned about the about the symbols on the, on the outside, putting some kind of uh, seals, that they feel is important. They understand it's important because he's going to lose business without those seals. So I think that they will eventually correct it. Uh, but I I thought the young fellow who called me it was smart for him to call the company too and let them know that they are losing business. Okay. So we, we got a lot of callers here. Okay, go ahead. You're on the cautious on the air. Can we help you? Yeah, hi. I wanted to know about Vaseline on the lips, if um, it's a problem with kashrus. No. Not, not at all? Problem. It's not a problem with kashrus. Uh, if, you, if it's something that you're going to swallow, in other words, if it's on the lips, you mean if you try, if you have a little blister on the lips is one thing. Uh, but if you're, if, you're, if you're talking about you want the chapstick, so get the one that's not flavored. Because it's Not very flavored. likely they're going to swallow a little of it. And how about um, another question about vodka that doesn't have a hechsher? The what? Is vodka. Vodka? Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. Vodka today is not what vodka used to be. Today we know they can make vodka from grapes. They can make vodka from milchiks. They don't think that vodka is what it once was. Today, you got to know. You have to read the lists. If you want a list, it doesn't cost you anything, go to the crcweb.org, crcweb.org, and they have, okay. a, they have a list of, of recommended uh, alcoholic beverages, or the Star K website also has a list of recommended beverages, alcoholic beverages, and they tell you just which vodkas and just what to do on every single alcoholic beverage. Today's world, it's not like it used to be. The vodka is definitely one of those that has changed completely. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank okay. you. You're certainly welcome. And another okay. caller we have? Okay. Go ahead. You're on Cautious on the Air. Can I help you? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's me? Yes, go ahead. You're on the air. Yes. Okay, what about sensitive toothpaste if you have sensitive gums? And uh, is it liquid chiller? I don't Do know you? what... I can't see this. Well, I don't... It doesn't show up. Uh... Okay, sensor them. No, 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 this thing is no, not no, showing no. up. I'm saying, okay, one sec. Shall I repeat? Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I have, I have it now, yeah. 
Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, Sensodyne, I don't know, but you have ingredients in front of you? I got it. Mm, no, but I, I, I think I want to call one of the hotlines. They, they told me um, glycerin. Okay, so glycerin. They're it, all, they're all, all flavors in Sensodyne have glycerin. Okay. So there's a. There's well, my qu- my question is: if someone's gums are, someone's teeth are hurting him, okay. and uh, is, is is it mitzvah lechatchila? So let, let me explain something to you. We're going to answer that question to the best of my ability, but one. But let me first give you a little hakdama. There's a machlekes between uh, Rabbi Belsky, who's machmir in this halacha, and the other people who are Michael as to whether or not you have to have a kosher uh, toothpaste, because you're not planning to swallow it. Right. And, and whatever hanor you're having from it, it's really not a real hanor. It's not a hanor zachila. Maybe there's a, a taste in the, in the mouth, but it's not a hanor zachila. And you're not intending to have an offer non-kosher. And also, glycerin may have changed in the form that it's in now, so it may be called nishtana. There are, there are common reasons why people are makel on, on the glycerin in the toothpaste. So there are those people who try to avoid getting any glycerin in the toothpaste, and those people who get the ones that, uh, 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 those people who are not makbid, and they use the, the ones even if it has glycerin in it. Generally, I would tell you to be machmir um, because it's something that goes in the mouth. And there are sheets that it's not permissible. But the point, uh, glycerin is an interesting topic. Glycerin is has what they call mild palatable effect. It gives a little sweetener to it, so it definitely infects it. But it might be a zevazagirim. I don't know. It, it's it's not so simple to oser it. But if you, but I'm not so sure that sensodyne is the only one you can get that's that's good for for the sensitive teeth. I would suggest you go to. Uh, a, a nice large uh, uh, Jewish pharmacy, a, a from pharmacy, and, and ask them if there's anything that has oh. ashkocha or that doesn't have glycerin that's for sensitive teeth. My feeling is there there might be something that's for sensitive teeth that doesn't have glycerin. If not, then if you're having pain, so then it may be mutter, because uh, we're matir for tsar, we're matir certain things. And since here, anyway, it's a machalika. So I don't want a paskin for you. You should ask your roof. But, if I'm, but I'm saying to you that there's a tzad because of tzar. And here it's, all, be, uh, here it's a shot. What? It's it easier. More, uh, it's definitely more, easier. More, it's definitely easier. But I'd let you rub paskin the shot. I don't want to do it over the phone. Okay, thank you. You're certainly Bye. welcome. Thank you for calling. Before we go on to any other calls, and I see we have some interesting people who texted in here, I just want to share with you the other part of what I was going to be talking about earlier, even though there's only a short time left. We got a number of calls this week on different caterers and different hashkachos, and that ties into what we've been talking about with these listeners right now. So I'm going to share it with you. I got a call from a lady. Um, she's making Shabbos. People want to bring her a, a, a cake or some kind of mazonos from a bakery fancy bakery in Manhattan, and there's a hashkocha there they're not familiar with. So uh, they, they called me up. And these are Hamish people. So I told them that the person who gives the hashkocha has all the stores open on Shabbos, and he doesn't have a, he has fleshka stores with no mashkiach in it. And if, you, if that's what you're looking for, that's what you got. So she didn't know that, so they will have to get from another place. So here's a store with uh, people who probably work near there, and they want to pick something on the, on the way home. So, you know, what's interesting to me is how many people uh, that I tie into who are so from that they say, I don't need your Kashas magazine, I don't need your show, I don't need Kashas Month, I don't need any of this stuff, because I only buy Hamish. And then when it turns around that they're always, <laughs> things are sneaking into the houses all over the place. Another uh, person uh, asked me about a certain Hashkocha in Manhattan, and this Hashkocha they never heard of also. And I told them, I'm telling you, that this man is 100% reliable. The standards he has are a, a simple standard. It's not what you'd call machmir uh, machmirim, and he doesn't necessarily have always a mashkiach on the premises, but he's there every day or every two days, and he has control factors, and he is a solid worker, and I know that he takes care of his stores. So that was a helpful thing for this other person. 
another, a third person called me up, uh, or these could be, could be emailed, I don't even remember anymore, about a certain uh, caterer. And this is an interesting story. There's a very, a very from lady that, we, that I know very well, the family, and she herself would never go to this place. But her mother, who was an older lady, was invited to partake in a certain program very far away, and there's a certain caterer, and she wants to know about that caterer. And that caterer, I told her just how to find out about that caterer. We had, we had certain steps in order to find out what the standards are in that caterer. But here's a woman who would never go herself to this place, but her mother was invited, and the mother's an older lady, and the mother couldn't find out herself, and she didn't want to say no to the mother unless she has to say no. And that was the kind of question that came up, something that didn't have, they didn't bargain for. Another, another uh, case came up this week with, um, with somebody uh, going to a specific simcha, and at that simcha, they, they were served certain foods, and they had to investigate. And when, he, when they investigated through, through me, they, uh, I, we explained to them that the food in that particular establishment, that with that specific, specific caterer, um, was a very broad range of products, and the person decided that that's not for me. So, again... Every hashkacha is different. All 1,324, no two are alike. Okay, uh, so if you have any more questions, you can still call 718-683-5858. But until we do that, let me uh, speak a few, about a few of the people who texted in. They have quite a few questions here. I don't have time to go through all of them. Uh, somebody contacted us and said, I'm going to quote, I saw myself in a Borough Park fruit store in August, a non-Jewish worker cutting melons, watermelons into quarters. And he put a large knife down after each, uh, after each melon to wrap the wedges. As I'm standing talking to him, a co-worker picks up the knife and cuts in his sandwich with the knife. I asked him, what are you, what are you having for lunch? He said, salami, and he laughed. And he said, I can't share it with you because it's not kosher. But he didn't realize he's using that knife that he uses for the watermelon. Okay, that's a story. A story does not change the situation. You can go ahead and ask in a store if you want to ask, and do they use it for anything else? You can watch the store and see what's going on. But we have to work with the average situation. Years ago, I told this story on the air, but if you didn't hear it, it's worth it. Years ago, somebody came to me and told me a story. They were in Manhattan, and the, uh, they saw a person taking water off the stove that was in big pots and pouring into this huge urn that distributes the, the coffee. In other words, they were using trafer pots to cook up the water and then put it into the coffee machine. Because we always worked with the premise in those days for sure that the coffee machines, coffee urns, the big coffee urns, you know, 100 gallons or so, so the, 100 cups or so. So those big coffee urns, we worked from the premise that they were only used for coffee and they're kosher. And here he saw with his own eyes that they're taking the water, heating it up in a trafer pot, and putting it into the coffee machine so that obviously in this, this, this uh, coffee, we're going to make the assumption is... Trafe. So he told me that what I was telling him about using a, a coffee in a, in a regular setting shouldn't be acceptable anymore. So he, he, he raised the question. He came to my shear. So I spoke to my Rebbe about it, of Asher Zim and Zatzal. So the Rebbe said, from one story, you don't stare a chazaka. The, the situation doesn't change because of one story. Now, is this common what this, men- this fellow mentioned? I don't know. I don't know at all if it's common. Uh, people tell me that it is, so then we have to look at it again. But in general, I would say it's a very uncommon thing. And even if it was done once, the chances are that there was nothing left on the, on the watermelon by the time we cut a few watermelons. And that's, that's really what I think the halacha should be, not to necessarily be machmir on that. If you want to be, now you have a story to be concerned about. Okay, we have a whole board lit up. Go ahead. You're on Kashrus on the air. Go ahead, please. Yeah, hi. Um, when I... I have an easy filter on my sink, and I use it for regular drinking. Now, it leaks out a lot of times at drop you don't know here, how drop to put there it on. from the unfiltered water. One Is second, that a problem with the drinking? Just one second. You don't know how to put it on. I know exactly what you're talking about, 
Uh, yeah, if you want to come over, I can try to show you. But basically what happens is you're twisting it too tight. It, it, it doesn't, the easy filter is made to go on easy and off easy. If you twist it too tight, that's one problem. The other problem you might have is that the little filter inside that white thing, sometimes yeah. it's too big. I have one filter in my house. I have three filters. I have one filter in my house that I rip off and make two out of every time because it's too, too thick. And because it's too thick, it doesn't close properly. So either you're making it too tight, try it with half, or try to make it light. And you'll see the thing that the problem disappears. Wow, great. But then uh, if, if it drips in lamaisa, is that whole cup um, like I mean, garbage? Asking me or an impossible thing to answer. You're asking me an impossible thing to answer. It's not the right thing to do. And in the future, we've got to correct it. If you have a problem, then you have to go get a new easy filter. But I, I, in my humble estimation, it, it, the solution is those two things. Just put it on lightly. Just tighten, just till it gets tight. No, no, don't scrunch it at all. Don't make it real tight. Don't use uh, uh, pliers. Just do it by hand. And the other possibility is that you, you, you cut half the filter down. And there's one more yeah. thing. That the bottom part of it, of the easy filter, with the, like, it, it also turns. So make sure that that's tight. That that's closed properly because that might be where it's leaking from. There's a little okay. thing in the bottom, about an inch, the bottom, the bottom inch. Just turn that until you, those three things you have. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. Take care. Okay, you're on cash in the air. Can we help you? Yes, I have two things to say. Number one, in answer to the question with the sensitive toothpaste, um, Adri does make one, and so does Tom's of Maine well, with I an OU. There were other ones available. Very good. So Tom's okay, of Maine. Okay, number two. Yeah. I went to a very big establishment, and I asked them to please start making their tuna without celery because we don't use the celery anymore and neither do a lot of other people. So it took a couple of weeks. Finally, the company did accommodate the company that was making it. It wasn't from them themselves. And the next time I came to the store, cute story, I saw that it was an ex- um, the deluxe without the celery was an extra dollar. All right, cause you got, because you have more tuna fish. But, the, but, exactly. the, but, but, but in reality... The, the, the cell, no, I don't stop using celery. You just have to check it properly. It isn't very hard to check. If the store or the company, the Hashkocha, is responsible for ensuring you that the tuna fish is kosher and the mayonnaise is kosher, it doesn't t- it's a no-brainer to look at a couple of the celery. It takes about a half a second to see if it's, if, it's got, if it's got a problem with it. Yeah, but I can't check it once it's full of tuna. You can't do anything, but if you trust the Hashkocha, Oh, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I would have to look and see who the mashgiach is and all that. I well, really don't know. That, well, it's I, a company I, that I'm not familiar with. Uh, okay, that I can't help you with. But again, if it's a responsible hashkacha, this is definitely part of it, too. Thank you for uh-huh. the call. Thank you. Okay. Yaron Kashus on the air. Can we help you? Yeah, hello. I'd like to know um, black coffee. In which store can I, which gosher store uh, can I buy? So and, uh, the, which, the, way, um, the, way, the way it's being taught today. Not the way we were brought up, but the way it's being taught today is you shouldn't go into a real restaurant and buy the black coffee. It should be what they call a kiosk, a smaller store, gas stations like that. Because the store, again, water in New York City needs filtering. Milk has to be Chav Israel, according to you know, some people. So you're dealing with those issues. But as far as the coffee itself, if, the, if it's uh, one of these uh, smaller establishments where they're not serving a, a full tray for meals, then we're assuming they didn't wash the equipment together with the tray. In the big supermarket, in the, sorry, the, big, uh, the, big, uh, the big stores, the big stores, they are washing it with the, in, a, in a restaurant. They're washing the equipment together, and the cashless agencies are concerned now about that. Okay? Mm-hmm. What about 7-Eleven or Starbucks? 7-Eleven is a small store, and Starbucks is, is, is different types. They say there's different types. You can see it all on crcweb.org, or if you want just to understand it, if it, it, it they say the kiosks, the smaller stores you could use, but not the ones that are, um, that are the, the big ones. And Starbucks has a whole slew of issues. You really should study it on crcweb.org. Thank you for the call. Thank you very much. You're on the air. Can we help you? We have a few seconds left. Go yeah, ahead. Hello? You're on the air. Quick, quick, quick. Yeah, hi. KSA Heksher. I'm Smirnoff. 
We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't answer questions about a specific. We don't answer questions about a specific hashgacha on this radio show. That's something you'll have to discuss with a, a rov or with a kashrus agency that you rely upon, because they are familiar with most of the kashrus agencies that you're going to run into. I always refer people to different kashrus agencies, but everybody knows in his own mind which ones he holds a good. And if you'll contact them, they will answer that question. I can't do it here on the radio. Okay. Who can I call? No, whoever you personally feel that if everything else fails, this hashkoch is good. Whichever, whatever the best in your book is, in your own personal book, the one that you hold is glot, 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 the one you would really feel is 100%. Call them up and get them uh-huh. on the phone. And right. mm-hmm. ask them. And ask them because they use these hashkochas also and they have to help you. If you have any Thank further you so problem, you can, con- you can contact me. I'll try to help you out. But basically, those are the places to go. Okay? Thank, Thank you very you. much Thank for you. coming. No. Thank you for listening. And we hope to speak to everybody again next week.